When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, I love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Final segment here on a Monday to the phone lines we go. We've, through the first hour of the show here, given our thoughts and observations from preseason game number three, a 19-9 win over the Detroit Lions. Now our good friend of the show, one-third of the Migos. He's, he's here. He's there. He's everywhere. From the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette and the Locked On Steelers podcast, Chris Carter. What's up, partner? How we doing? What's up, boys? How's it good? How's it doing on this fine Monday morning? And I guess it's a victory Monday. I think also it's afternoon now. Victory! <laughs> Oh, oh no. yes, it's always a victory Monday when we get to talk to you, CC. But, yeah, the Steelers, a perfect 3-0 and this preseason uh, after a win last night against the Detroit Lions. I know you were there at Akershire Stadium uh, taking it all in. Chris, uh, the question, you know, the debate that everyone's been having uh, here on the show and our Twitter mentions, you know, all across social media and Steelers Nation is, of course, the quarterback debate, the QB1 debate. I asked this to Motsi. Uh, to open up the noon hour of the program, I'll ask you the same here. Any, you know, any any reasonable uh, thoughts in your mind that it'll be anyone other than Mitch Trubisky week one in Cincinnati? Reasonable? No. <laughs> no. Crazy intent? Sure. Like, but, like, I mean, come on. We, we, we've said this for months now. I, at least I've said this for months. That this was Mitch Trubisky's job to lose. In no way did he lose it in the in, in training camp or in the preseason. I mean, we have to you have to look back and look at all, look at all the numbers. One, I really think this was the best collective quarterbacking that we've seen from the Steelers in a preseason in the history of my time watching mm. Steelers preseason games. I mean, and again, I'm not saying that like oh these guys are better than Ben Roethlisberger, but they never threw an interception. Like, like, that's ridiculous. Like, think back to all the games where Landry Jones would play terribly. Hey, hey, he, easy on that Landry stuff. slander. Easy, <laughs> easy on that Landry slander. Landry was a fine backup quarterback, but he was also not that – I mean, most – his first snap in preseason oh, football – Oh, listen, I know. I, I'm familiar. It was a safe Look, like, I, I'm, I'm more than aware of my man Landry. We, we, that's 50-50 right there. He's going to throw the touch. He's going to hit you in the face with it. It's one or the other. We know this. <laughs> you see the 
sentiment and things like that but that draws me to my uh next question which is what does this mean for mason rudolph i think it means mason rudolph the third quarterback on this team i mean and that that couldn't have been made more clear with how the rotation was handled uh last night at at the stadium um but if if i if, if anything else mason rudolph has handled this entire situation with class when they signed Mitch Trubisky, he called him up, congratulated him, said, let's get to work. When they drafted Kenny Pickett, called him up, congratulated, congratulated him, said, let's get to work. At no point has Mason Rudolph, you know, gone off and, and, and wrote, a, wrote a, a Twitter manifesto where he, he revealed <laughs> to us his middle name and, you know, threw a fit and said, I will never play for the Pittsburgh Steelers again because he was upset with them talking to, let alone signing and drafting other quarterbacks. So, I mean, to, for me – I, I think uh, very highly of Mason Ruff and how he's handled that situation. Um, but, you know, does this mean that he's gone? I don't think so. I still say the biggest thing the Steelers, um, the, the Steelers need to, are, are probably still worried about is um, looking, at how, uh, looking at how the quarterback situation could play out this year um, and seeing like, hey, if, if a guy goes down, do you really want it to be just one guy and then you're down to nobody else? No, I think they don't want to be in 2019 again. They want to be, be able to have in case one guy goes down and say that other guy is Kenny Pickett and he has a couple good games. But if he has one like really bad game where he throws three picks but you're still in it because your defense is really good and hanging in there and you're just like, hey, you know what, Kenny, we're going to give you a break today. Just take some notes, come back. Mason, go in there and win that for us. I think that's where Mason's worth something. And, you know, you never know when that kind of situation comes up. I do think that they'll uh, they'll keep him around. And I don't think, frankly, that anyone's going to be offering anything that's going to be worth giving up that value that Mason would bring. Hmm. Interesting. Now, yeah, I – I was going to say, I did want to follow up, though, in terms of with uh, Mason. Uh, I know we said that um, just in the conscience of how he's handled it versus, like, Baker Mayfield. But do you think that that was the best course of action for Mason when you look at the situation he's currently in? Whereas for Baker, he's going to get a chance to start and ultimately have a chance to rewrite that narrative for who he is as as a quarterback. Whereas for Mason, we're talking about, Okay, if a Mitch goes down, now we're having conversations about the Kenny move, but we all know if Mitch goes down or he's not playing well, Kenny's going to be the guy. So when I think of Mason, I'm just like, man, I I, I get you doing and handling this in a professional manner, but I don't see how it's necessarily benefited him because I think that he's in a situation where a year from now you could be asking yourself, what is his NFL trajectory for remaining in the NFL? 
if he's not getting a chance well, to put out new film, if he's not getting a chance to show that he is a better version than what we've seen in the past. I hear you. I hear you. And you, you're right. Baker Mayfield's going to start someone. But you know what? Baker Mayfield's also a first overall draft pick compared to Mason mm. Rudolph, who was a third rounder. He got the and first round grade, though. <laughs> they said it. You know they said it. They said it. Moats right. Mo- has not let this one go it. since 2019. You can't contest it. They said it was a first round grade, and Kevin Colbert always tells the truth, all right? So, they had a first round grade. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Kevin Colbert always tells the truth. It's time to say, hey, listen, I, I, I just had Narcy Eric tell, tell me to my face last night that he did not have his foot get stepped on, and in fact, he had a sprained Liz Frank. So don't tell me. Who tells me the truth and all that? Because um, yeah, he, 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 he said that oh, that was unprovoked. Whoa. He brought that up himself. So, uh, so you know, that, that, that kind of stuff happens. Um, but my point is there's a big difference between Mason and Baker and the pedigree that they come in with. Could Mason go somewhere, start, and maybe earn some Keith Keenum money? Maybe. But I, I think for Mason, like, you know, this is a guy who – He's unproven still to a lot of people. Yeah. But in the Steelers' office, they know his value. He's getting, what, $4.2 million this year? Talk to about it. be in this position. And I think that's that's good money for being a backup quarterback. It'll be in an office that he's familiar with. And if he gets called on, I mean, our, you guys, how many times have we seen a Matt Flynn, like a guy who played one game for the Seahawks, mm-hmm. looked really sharp, and then someone was like, hey, we'll pay you $10 million and then all of a sudden, like, he, he gets his big payday for his career. Mm-hmm. If I'm Mason Rudolph, I'm thinking along those lines, like something like that could happen that gives you an advantage, that gives you an opportunity, and you'll be in an offense that you know rather than some random offense that you'll be guessing in and having to work with. I also think the Steelers have one of the better groups of skill talents, skill players uh, across the board, from wide receiver to tight end to running back. And it's like, you know what, if, if you do get in that situation – you can use that to your benefit and then get your payday later. But I hear you about Baker. It's, but, again, I just I think that Baker is just in a more fortunate position to, to, to kind of command what he wants there. Fair enough. I like it. A few more minutes with our buddy Chris Carter of the Locked on Steelers podcast and the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. CC, two, uh, two, I think, reoccurring themes, you know, things that were issues for the Steelers last season that, you know, albeit preseason, have, have been an issue early on so far. Uh, the run game on offense and, you know, the offensive line, and then the run defense. Uh, at this point, you know, as we as we sit here about two weeks away from, from the start of, you know, the, the game's really mattering, and as Billy Hillgrove said, the bullet's really flying uh, here September 11th in Cincinnati. Which is more concerning to you of those two, the, the offensive line and the run game, or the defense's ability to stop the run? I, I said the offensive line. The defensive line, when when Cam Hayward and Larry Ogunjobi and T.J. Watt were out there, they didn't even have Alex Highsmith, they were shutting down the run. It was like negative two yards when they were mm-hmm. trying to run the ball. It was when they started to rotate in those second guys as the problems came in. That's still a concern. You know, you want those second guys to play better and to not give up gashes for yards. But I still think that they had – a, uh, I think that they're in a much better situation. There's potential there, there's, and there's starters that you can be confident. Uh, I'm not sure you can say that about the offensive line. There's still big questions. Uh, there was the one drive that three offensive line penalties, you know, hold up their progress. Yeah. That kind of stuff can lose you games. Like, you know, imagine if that happens in a game-winning or a, a drive that you need to be a game-winning drive, and you can't make those plays because, you know, your, your, your offensive line keeps getting called for holding or false starts and moving you back. 
that's not a good sign. Now, granted, you know, I, I, I do think when I was looking back at it, I do think that after those first two drives, the offensive line settled in and mm-hmm. did play better than people are giving them credit for. I want to I wanna go through the game again Talk about uh, with, it. With, with, you know, with some time and, and, and look at this closer. But I did feel like the offensive line showed some steps forward. I do think that the Steelers should look for somebody, whether it's a guard or a tackle, somebody that can come in and like either take over a starting spot or challenge for a starting, a starting spot somewhere down the line um, because that group is too unproven right now. But I also think it's not as dire as people are making it seem. I don't think this is a group that, like, if they go into the season with this, that all three of their quarterbacks will be dead in a matter of a week. Like, yeah, that's, that's what we were talking about this offensive line. I, and granted, they're bad, and they're among the worst in the league right now. But they're also young. They have upside. I think they can pull it together uh, and become an, an acceptably mediocre offensive line somewhere down the line. But it's going to take guys like Kevin Dotson, guys like Kevin Green, guys, uh, guys like James Daniels. Those three, if those three guys can just step it up and be adequate at their positions, I think this offensive line will be fine. Did, did you say accepted mediocrity? Is that what you said? Yep. Acceptable uh, mediocrity. <laughs> Acceptable. <laughs> I love it. This is hey. This is what you got to do. This is crazy, man. I, I'm not saying. I'm not saying because that is not. I, I know everyone's gonna say, but Chris, what about the standard of the standard? Listen, the standard also is determined by your salary. I would agree with that. Thank you. Yes, one hundred percent. That's right. They have not. They, all their draft picks, all their money has gone into the wide receiver room, yeah. the running back room, the quarterback room, and look what are the strengths of this offense. Uh huh. The the, the the one group that they have not addressed seriously, and I agree, this, this is a mistake on their part. I do think that they need to, uh, to change this soon. But the one group that they have not addressed enough is the offensive line, and that's why you're seeing that level of play there. And as much as people got to say, oh, next man up, and, you know, the standard is the standard. All those cliches sound good. <laughs> Until you just come down to the nitty-gritty that you can't right. just pay some 600 guys. Five hundred thousand dollars, and they go be Tyron Smith or some stuff, something like that. Not, not Chris. You know, it's coaching. Is it, it just coach him up? You be all right. Oh yeah, exactly. Just That's coach him up. Thing. <laughs> just, what is Kurt Myers? Like job? what? Why isn't he fixing this offensive line? I'm like, okay. So let me get this straight. Through three preseason games, because this offensive line is not elite tier, he's a bad coach. Come on, man! Like, like, like let's have this is where this is where you got to step back, be reasonable, and think about things, and not just be a fan. But hey, I get it. Fans want their cake and eat it too. They want the perfect offense and the perfect defense every game. You know, just that. But this this is this is why we drive ourselves crazy when we stay on Twitter for too long. <laughs> I like I, I like the self awareness. Yes, indeed, that that is definitely something that we all suffer from at times. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> but um, I did want to ask you, man, as we transition to the defensive side of the ball, um, what was your thoughts yesterday on Devin Bush's uh, performance, man? I thought he stepped up. I really thought he stepped up, and uh, with that fourth down stop, mm-hmm. you could tell in the locker room that they, the linebackers were feeling themselves. Miles Jack, I, I had a really good clip that I played on Locked On Steelers this morning where. He was beaming ear to ear when you asked him about Devin Bush's progress. The two of them, I think, are are, are understanding each other, and they're going to be the starters together. It's not going to be Robert Spillane. Um, he's going to be a rotate, rotated guy in there to, to, to give some spell reps. But I, I think they're figuring some things out. And this is what I was saying with Devin Bush. It's going to take some patience. Granted, you know, you'd want some of that some of that patience to pay off a little bit sooner. But 
I thought there were some glimpses of that they could be putting stuff together. I think Miles Jack is a fine number one linebacker mm-hmm. that's going to be a good leader for that group. But I think Devin Bush, I think something clicked in his brain in this. I'll also say I was very harsh on Devin Bush for the third and 17 rep where it was the draw and, yeah, they and, ran and nickel. he didn't get off yeah. his block. Mm-hmm. It, it, it ran nickel. Yeah. But when I look back at it, that was a massive hold because he, he tried to break free and he, tu- and he turned his shoulders. That should have been called back for a big holding penalty. And I, I, I said I was harsh on it at first, and I was like, "This was that was inexcusable. He needs to get off that block." When I went back and I did my first replay, I was like, "Whoa, I didn't see that live. That someone should have flagged this dude for that." So, and not that that's an excuse for Devin Bush to not get off blocks, but that wasn't as as egregiously bad as I thought it was. Um, but I'll say he looked smarter. He looked confident. He looked like he was playing a bit faster. Where the Steelers need him to be is playing fast, playing fast, flying over the field, trusting what he's doing. And I think it's tough for him because he's also making a lot of the calls. And Miles Jack talked about how he wore the green dot for part of last night, and then he passed the green dot, a green dot off to Devin. I think sometimes when Devin Bush is communicating and, and being that guy, that slows him down a bit. The Steelers need to get him out of that and get him back to playing fast. CC, the last one I've got for you, partner. We all know uh, the roster will be uh, cut down to 53 tomorrow, uh, depending on when you're listening to this, right? Tuesday afternoon. Um, do you have any, I don't want to say off-the-wall predictions, right? But do you have any roster predictions that might surprise somebody? Is something that you say, yeah, you know, everyone thinks this guy's going to make the roster, but I'm not so sure. Or, you know, no one's given this guy a chance, but I, I, I think he's got a, a coin flip. Do you have any, or do you have a, I should say, maybe kind of a an under-the-radar roster prediction ahead of tomorrow? Hmm. Okay, I have it playing out this way. This, I think the wide receiver room is the most interesting one to look at right now. I think how the Steelers do this is the, the initial, they'll keep six guys initially. They'll keep, of course, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, George Pickens, They'll keep Calvin Austin. Now, I'll come back to this in a second. I know he hasn't played in the preseason, and people are freaking out about that. They'll keep Gunnar Olszewski and Miles Boykin. But what will happen after that is that after waivers are cleared, Calvin Austin will be placed on injured reserve because he hasn't played yet. There might be a short injured reserve, long reserve, whatever. He, he hasn't played yet. And I think if Steven Sims and or Tyler Vaughn make it through, make it through whoever, which one of those two make it through uh, – uh, waivers, they will snag one of those guys up, and they'll be the last receiver on the depth chart. I think that's how it's going to play out. Uh, the thing is, is that those guys have put up some really good tape, so I'm not sure if, if they're clear waivers, but the Steelers aren't going to cut Calvin Austin as a fourth rounder. They like him too much, um, and you have, the rule is you have to keep a guy on the 53-man roster, uh, so I'm, I'm intrigued to see how they play it. I'm also intrigued to see how does the safety room work out. Elijah Ridley was the guy they signed you know, in the in the last in the in the twilight hours, Devontae KZ's injury just opened up a spot there. He's going to be on the 53-man roster, KZ that is. But who who gets you know once once he's pushed to injury reserve, which I do expect him to go on IR as well. Um, who gets that call up to be the extra safety? Maybe it's Ridley. Uh, there were some interesting plays I, I, I saw him out there, so we'll see how how that plays out. But the safety room, the wide receiver room, I think those are some of the trickier positions there. I'm also I'm also intrigued to see does Montrevious Adams get the IR treatment as well, and which defensive linemen do they get rid of? I can see that both the Davis twins being guys that kind of deal with being sort of on the block there. But, yeah, defensive line, wide receiver, safety, those are going to be, I think, some interesting IR slash 
signed guys off, you know, back off waivers after they clear waivers uh, for the Steelers. Shout out to them Davis brothers, though, man. They were making some plays out there yesterday, man. I was liking them. They were. They were. But I went to ask you, though, uh, outside linebacker room, um, what did you see in terms of Hamilcar, Derek Tuska, um, potentially defining or having some separation for that outside linebacker three role? Did you see anything yesterday that made you feel any way about them in that uh, in that regard? You know, I've seen some good things flash from each of them. I think Delonte Scott had a really good pressure that led to a sack. Yeah, he did. Uh, or the, mm-hmm. It was just a sack. Um, you know, I, I think he's flashed some opportunity. They love his his build. He's just he's long, he's long lanky, super and he's long. Strong. Yeah. yeah, it's super long. So like they want to, he'll he'll make the roster. I think. I think Hamilcar received, you know, did, looked looked solid enough in his reps out there, and that they, he's going to be the, the the three guy. I think Derek Tuska is a solid dude. He reminds me a lot of Anthony Ciccolo in that he's not going to flash too much, but he's going to get the job done. You're going you can count on him to be another guy in the rotation. Um, so uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say Rashid he separated himself as that LB three guy, that OLB three guy. Uh, but this team, you know, Alex Highsmith told us last week he's going to be back. He's going to be the, you know you'll be ready for week one. I think they really do need him. But if if Rashid and Tuska and Scott are your options off the bench, I, I actually think that this edge rushing room is a little bit better uh, going into pre, going into the season that I gave them credit for going into the preseason. All right, now I just need to follow up. Um, because you did have the exclusive Najee report. Do you got an exclusive <laughs> Alex Highsmith report? Is it not just a regular rib? Is it something else that we don't know that's going on? We were not told that much. Um, <laughs> just check. I had to check. I'm just saying, but, mate. Yeah. yeah hey, it's, 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 it's no secret. I mean, I mean, you could, on Locked On Steelers with, with Najee Harris, I mean, I just asked, hey, Najee, how did it feel to go back out there? And he was like, yeah, so uh, no one stepped on my foot. Uh, I, I had a sprained list break. And, like, when I tweeted that out, I, I, so many people were like, oh, please kill me now. Like, this is yeah. this is terrifying. Yeah. What, what, oh, Lord, why did I do this? But it seems like he's fine. Biggest thing he talked about was his rust. So, um, I, but I think this is this is what I took away from, from Najee Harris saying all that. And this, I, I, another reason I give credit to him so much as a man and as a, an athlete who's willing to talk to people as human beings. He was talking to us and critiquing himself and saying how he yeah. needs to get better. Minutes after he learned about Brian Robinson Jr. getting getting shot and in the hospital, mm-hmm. and that was his former teammate, his friend, his backup at Alabama, and like he spent the rest of the time after we talked to him, he just sat there on his phone, just looking like he was scanning through for for any news. I can't say what was going through his mind. I can't say what was that, but. None of that came out in his talks with us. None of that. He never – like, I can't imagine if my friend was shot, how I might respond or if I could critique myself and my play in that moment. I'd be too scared or too concerned for my friend in that moment. But he handled himself such, so much like a professional. Um, and I think it just it's another kudos to him as an individual, as a young athlete, and as a spokesperson. I, I think that that's another reason the Steelers see so much leadership in how he carries himself. So – Big kudos to not to Najee Harris there. Now, without a doubt, and, and being a person who's actually been through that situation as well, it is not easy to do, man. So, big time salute to uh, Najee for that, for man. One hundred percent, for sure. And uh, that's that's a that's a savvy observation there. Good stuff from our buddy Chris Carter. All right, Chris, real quick before we let you go, I mean, we talked about preseason sure. football and the Steelers for twenty three minutes here to get to the question that I really wanted to ask you. Woo! I know what it is, baby. Score score prediction for Thursday night. I mean, hey come on, now. come on, hit me, hit me. 
Sweet Caroline. Oh, oh, oh. I can't. I'd have to dump myself if I wanted to sing the proper lyrics here, but I digress. I got it. 17 to 45. Ooh. The Pit Panthers. Oh, jeez. The West Virginia. Jeez, unbelievable. I'll tell you what. A lot of of confidence. A lot of confidence out of Oakland, Motsi, I tell you. Well, because it's a lot of lack of confidence coming out of Morgantown. You said it yourself. You're scared, man. What are you talking about? Because I said 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 Pitt's going to win by four points. That means I'm scared. Wes said, man, I'm going to get me a dog when I leave here today. I was like, what you going to dog for? He's like, bro, I'm I'm nervous, man. He was like, man, that Slovis kid. I'm not not getting hit. I'm not the the one who's playing the game. The way has been looking over there in Oakland, Lord. I was like, dang, Wes, I ain't never seen you sound like this before, man. I I was shocked. I ain't playing the game. Yeah, man. It's me versus about a dozen beers on the North Shore on Thursday, Mm -hmm. but that's my only opponent. Mm Mm-hmm. 45-17. Oh, oh, oh. Wes, I'm, I'm telling you, man. Oh, oh, oh. It, 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 it might be you versus a lot more beers and some hard liquor after this game is done. Well, I'm going to be at work. I'm going to be at work Fri
Table and we might get to him on but Wednesday. Table and though. we might get to him on Wednesday. You know, we got another show. We got yeah, multiple shows. Yeah, Moats will be hosted on Wednesday, but I got to imagine that. Yeah, you know, and it's no game this weekend, anyways, that, that, man. So that we, we got time. We'll have some more. Uh, we'll have some more preseason uh, reactions and conversations on Wednesday as well, too. Real quick before we go, Motsi, the lit one, Rebecca. She tweets this picture of like a uh, like a truck that is carrying you know like two dozen couches, mm. and it says WVU fans getting ready for the backyard brawl. That's like that. That's the thing, though, right? The, the, the chair. But, but that's the thing. When we win, oh. So if huh. Rebecca is saying that we're getting ready for the backyard brawl with all these couches, that that would so that on. would signify what a WVU victory. I'm confused. Y'all don't sit in them like during the games. No, it's 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 not as prevalent anymore, right? Oh. But from from like because I've heard about the couches from I've the early 2000s until probably around when I graduated, like 2012. That was a thing in Morgantown when the football or basketball team would have a massive victory. Like students would just throw an old crappy couch in the in the street and light it on fire, what? have a little have a little bonfire in the middle of the street. Yo. It happened. I saw it, I saw it twice because, like I said, around 2010 they really started cut, cut and like you can get expelled for doing that now and all this different stuff, right? Um, I, I could I could see why, but I saw it I saw okay. it twice in my in my like real real couch burning parties yes. twice in my time there. The That's first, the, the first was was my freshman year uh, when we went to the Final Four, okay. beat Kentucky and went to the Final right, right. Four. Uh, the second was the first time we played Texas, our first year in the Big mm, Twelve, okay. and and beat them in kind of an epic game uh, uh, there as well. We just too. burning on these couches, all and right. that that would signify good things though. So if we're like burning it. couches okay. on Thursday night, okay. I'll take it. All right. <laughs> Big thanks to Chris Carter for joining us. To everybody who listened and tweeted the show, we'll be back with you guys on Wednesday. And you know already, it'll be the best co-host in the business, Arthur Motes, Uh-oh. hosting. Uh-oh. Hey, now. <laughs> Buddy, pleasure as always. Thank you. Hey, man, you know what we do, man. Let's keep it going. We will keep it going. High noon on Wednesday, as always. You know where to find us. It's on your 24-7, home of the black and gold. Steelers Nation Radio. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.